friends, welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart has been created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their story. Welcome to episode 86. In today's episode, I chat with the brave young woman, Veronica. She shares her story of heartache, of healing and of hope. She, at the ripe old age of 22, finds herself uh, divorced and waiting for her marriage to be nullified. Um, Annulments is a really big topic that Um, I really didn't want to tackle because I don't know much about it. But um, there is a link to um, a really excellent short explanation of annulments by um, Father Mark Mary from Ascension Presents. And I've linked it in the um, show notes. I really encourage you to watch it. Um, And it will shed some light on what an annulment is, what it looks like. And it's not divorce for Catholics, as most people, Catholics included, think it is. Um, Because for a a marriage to be nullified, they look at the moment of marriage, not two years down the track, not 10 years down the track, and not, you know, 50 years down the track. They look at the moment of marriage to see if there is anything at that moment, lacking. Um, therefore, a marriage didn't exist. I really encourage you to listen with an open heart, um, an open mind, and to watch the short seven and a half minute clip from um, Father Mark Mary. If this episode helps helped you or helps you, and you think it might help somebody else, share it with them. It's really good to allow other women to realise that they're never alone. Have a great day. Just on a side note, before we dive into the conversation today, I just want to make it really clear with all my listeners that I have an absolute privilege of being able to hear stories so vulnerably told to me by these women on the podcast and I just want you to know that nothing that is spoken um, is received lightly by me. I take it very much to heart and I am honoured to hear your stories and to share them with other women. Um, the, the fundamental reason for this podcast is to help women know that they are never alone on this journey. God walks with them and so do women who want to walk beside you. Um, So I am honoured to hear your story and so humbled to be able to share it. Well, welcome to the podcast. Veronica, before we dive in, I would love for you to explain something about what your life looks like right now and who you are and where you come from. Okay. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jess. I appreciate it. Um, I am currently married and have been for about two years now, and we are now raising our firstborn little one who is nine months old, and she's just the best thing in the world. Um, I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) Um, We are living in a regional town in New South Wales, and uh, life is very different from what it used to be in Sydney. So we uh, we very much connect to our families. Uh, we um, are very focused on our faith. That's something that's been really important to both of us um, and especially instilling it in the life of our little one. So, yeah, um, my husband, he, he works, he does physiotherapy. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, he might need to come and adjust my back. I haven't <laughs> been able to get into my physio for... Uh, a month now because he's he's now changed practices like he he owns another practice so he oscillates between the two of them and I work Tuesdays and the only days he works 
um, close to me are Tuesdays and Fridays. And I was sick last Friday. The Friday before that, I had, um, there was something on, I can't remember. But I've had to cancel twice. So it's now a month. Oh, it's not fun. Anyway, mm-hmm. you, you hold on to a good one when you find them. <laughs> I suppose like anything. <laughs> true. My apologies. I sound like an absolute <clears throat> dinosaur. I've been sick. So it is me. It's just me who sounds like she's been smoking a pack a day. <laughs> Not a worry. I haven't touched a cigarette. Well, Veronica, welcome to the podcast. I, um, I am so grateful that you're here um, because I wanted to talk to you today about a topic that is um, can be really hard to talk about. Um, it has been I have had many requests from women to talk on this subject um, and I just haven't found somebody who is willing and able to speak about it. So I am so grateful that you said yes. Um, But I would love the listeners to hear your story as much or as little of your story as you would like to share, um, just so that it helps other women out there because I know that it is a it is not uncommon that um, marriages fall apart. There's infidelity. There's there's so many dynamics at play. Um, marriage is hard at the best of times. I heard, um, I think it was um, Father Parks. I think it was Father Parks. Yeah, it was on a podcast the other day with, um, um What's that Aussie who's Pints with Aquinas? Do you know his name? I can't remember. He's really ochre. Um, anyway, his name escapes me, but it will come back to me. But Father Parks was talking about marriage and about celibacy. And he said, it's actually a miracle that priests remain celibate. It's actually a miracle. And um, so is marriage, that marriages, you know, you've got these two dynamics here, two broken people um committing to each other but not all marriages work out the way we um expected the way we hoped and the way we prayed for um and I would really love you to um enter this space this sacred space of your story sharing um what what unfolded for you if that's okay well thank you uh it I admit that yeah it was a difficult it's a difficult topic and and I think anyone who's listening um, is probably either going through a, a breakdown in their marriage or um, considering you know leaving or just asking those sorts of big questions which um, if you are listening it I'm really sorry because it it's a very painful thing to go through mm-hmm. um, but I guess I, I can jump in and just share what my experience was and pray that pray for those people who are listening um, if it resonates with them um, so I was about 20 in my early 20s getting married um, and I I think my pride was the biggest problem in my life so I think God really had to <laughs> shut me down um, so I had been dating for a few years um, I had a lot of fun I thought you know uh, come on where's the ring where's the ring and finally he proposed and uh, we were getting married and I always look back to these moments where one really big moment where my mum said to me um we we actually need to speak to you and her and my dad sat me down and they said um in front of my fiance at the time uh we don't think you are good enough for our daughter and I sat there with my hands over my face and I thought oh my gosh he's gonna leave and he didn't he stayed and said no no I understand, of course, every mother and father says that, like that's fair enough. Um, and, and I wish I had have listened to my parents. I wish I had, a, you know, could go back and say, oh, they're right. Um, but at the time, I think the relationship with my parents and myself, uh, I, I was very, I, I lost a lot of trust in them. So I think that had a huge part to play in my decision to continue my life without their choice or mm-hmm. um, advice. Um, and then years later as well I found out that um, one of my friends she sat me down and said oh remember I I caught up with you for a coffee before you got married and 
uh, we we discussed this and I said to you, I don't think he's the one for you. And she said that apparently there was a whole group of friends that had got together to say who tells her. And all I saw was this one person saying it to me. And I thought, oh, I wish everyone had said it to me so that I, you know, it would have really clicked for me. Um, but again, pride got in the way and, and I said, no, no, I know what I'm doing. Uh, so, so I was married uh, early 20s uh, for just under two years. And at the time of, so after getting married, I guess, um, there, were, there were a couple of things that kind of hit me um, that were, you know, even at the wedding where, you know, he kind of changed plans on us about what we were doing. And I said, oh, no, no, like we, this was a really big thing for me. Like we said, we would not, um, what was it? It was throwing the garter. And I said, I really didn't want to do the garter toss. Uh, you know, it might be small for some people, but it was a very big thing for me. And on the night he was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I was like, oh, no, no, like I'm really, I can't do this. And I kind of just gave in because, you know, you're you're in front of everyone and you went, oh, okay, all right, let's just do this, get it over and done with. And um, yeah, and then we in the marriage it seemed like things um things were very distant and I I kept kind of a track of even how often we would see each other how often we were intimate because I I was really feeling there was a huge disconnect and I'm like oh he's never around and I thought marriages you know you'd kind of run home going oh my husband's there this is exciting um and I did literally run home at some, at some times, I admit. And, yeah, and then we got, uh, feel free to jump in and ask questions because sometimes mm-hmm. I get carried away. No, no. Um, <laughs> so, How, can, I, can I ask one question? How, so you had been dating for five years, did you say, beforehand? About three years. Three years. And um, what would the tell, what, your parents, if, if you could be um, blunt or... Um, a bit more, um, I can't even think of the word. I'll blame it on the flu. Um, what were the telltale signs that your parents didn't think that he was good enough for you? Was it, Sorry, he, did you have similar interests or was he? Yeah, so this is a good question. Um, so he was involved a lot in poker. That was his okay. um, thing. So he wasn't. I never thought he was a big gambler or anything. Um, he didn't just go and play the pokies. It was he sat down and played played poker. Oh, no. um, so it was a nighttime. Uh, he worked in the job, so that was his nighttime business. Um, and he he took on the ownership of the business as well. Just when we were getting married, or just after we got married. So yeah, my parents were very very skeptical about that. Um, and and later on, it, it definitely did play a role um he was he was asked to go overseas for it um you know again more time away from me and you know any chance of a family uh yeah and there there was a bit of mental health it it seemed but that kind of came in a bit later it felt I'm not 100% sure about the mental health side of things um but it was definitely two years of loneliness I think that's the best way to describe it and mm-hmm. um and to be honest when when kind of push came to shove at the very end uh, actually there were two endings so there was there was one ending where I was I had kind of said look I, I can't keep doing this this is, I'm being tortured basically and I, I feel I can't keep going but my and this is where it gets interesting so myself and another friend married brothers so she actually rang me on the day that I said to myself, I need to leave. And she rang me and said, I'm leaving my husband. And I said, you can't because I'm about to. And it was the most horrible thing to hear that. And you know, she went down a very sad road um, of, of mental health and other things. And, um, and I thought, okay, she's, she's taking this step I'm not going to break the whole family up mm. I'm going to keep pushing on and let's see let's see if I can do you know a little bit longer let's maybe maybe God's telling me I just need to work harder so I thought okay I'll stay so I think I lasted three more months and then by that stage I was 
just like a I felt like a bit of a fry pan like there was nothing to me Mm. Um, when people spoke to me it was they'd get this very blank response and I'd just factually kind of tell people what was happening and there was no emotion associated with it and you know even my friends came to a dinner with me and they were just like what's going on and I was like oh what do you mean there's nothing going on and I was serious there was nothing going on so (laughs) it was my friends who yeah played a massive part in helping me realize what was going on um yeah and yeah sorry so so I think friends Right. yeah a huge huge yeah need yeah yeah especially like-minded girlfriends who 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 want what's best for you absolutely and and they're the ones who have stuck by and you know yeah. when I was desperate um and there was a point where I actually left for a week because I was just I didn't know what else to do and and my friend said you need to leave you can come and stay with me so I packed up all my belongings and went stayed with her family and they they're such a loving family and he came a week later to pick me up on our anniversary and 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 my friend's mum was saying you know you be good to Veronica treat her well Mm. and and I was so appreciative of her um but even then it was just it was kind of just ticking boxes saying oh I turned up for our anniversary Mm. um Mm. yeah so and I, I don't know where his heart was at I feel like that's kind of a mystery still so it's um but when you you mentioned um earlier on about uh the question of infidelity um Mm. those sorts of things and I, I I don't think so I don't think there was um anything there but there was a point where I um I did go through someone's phone without their permission and the text messages I read were enough to say, okay, that's that's my line. I need to leave because hmm. this doesn't seem like this husband's in it for the long haul. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so that was probably the biggest thing for me. Where are your family at this point? Are you Have you disassociated? Like has Pride built up a wall or are you still in contact with them? Are you still, did you reach out to your family? Or was it too too hard, too much? So I think my pride was still very much a problem. Um, but I did, I did call. I think I called. Or I was still really close to my sisters, and I said, "Oh, I I need to leave." And one of them rang, and she said, "Um, I need to. I need you to answer this call." And at the time that I had sent her the text, my husband at the time was sitting with me, and I and I just. I couldn't talk to anyone and I turned my phone off and they were all very worried and they sent one of the other sisters. She came to actually come and get me and I went outside immediately and said, no, no, it's okay. And they said, has he hurt you? And I said, no, no, not physically, we're okay. And um, she said, okay. And I said, look, I'll explain everything later, but I just need to kind of finish the day today. I will then make plans and I'll come and stay with you if that's okay. And she said, no worries. Um, and and I just said, but I'd like to just leave and not not be spoken into staying. So I said I need to leave without him here, which I can imagine looking back and going, oh my gosh, like I do feel for that man because I think that would have been horrific seeing your wife is gone and she's taken her thing, and it would have been a really traumatic scene for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry for that aspect because that would have been hard, but there it would have just been me being spoken into staying and mm-hmm. um, clearly it wasn't a marriage um, which was later found out so we went through the annulment um, he had no interest in doing that um, there was you know he was with someone else within six months of us leave of, of myself leaving mm-hmm. um, so so I did the annulment myself with the help of because um, you have a few other people who were witnesses and they um, they give their story as well, um, which is quite confronting because you you get a chance to read their statements and you know if you see that you know your mum said this about you you're like oh yes it was my pride <laughs> she was bang on about that <laughs> um, so it is very confronting I think that's the best word for it yeah uh, if we could can we talk a, a bit about annulments uh, uh, 
about annulments. But before I jump into that, he was not physically abusive. It was more verbal and emotional or financial. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so it came down to emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we actually did do counselling for it. We went to um, a great counsellor who basically within the session even she she said actually Veronica can I stop you I'd like to work with this man just on his own for a minute and I and I thought yeah there's there's a lot more that he's carrying and and it came out like all this um, emotional baggage that he was carrying from when he was little which was really quite uh, sad to hear but then he it was like he had kind of used that to then kind of get his own way within our marriage and um yeah so so but it was good that we at least we did try everything we could do um his parents were a big support as well towards the end um but and I will I will share this because I think it's really important at the very end um after I left and there was all my things were out of the house um he uh, he rang me and and I said like I was just in tears, as you can imagine, and and he's saying, like I need to talk to you, and I said, for what? And he said, well, and I said, why did you send those horrible text messages? Like, what's going on? And he said, um, he said, well, I was planning on going overseas, and I said, well, okay, and what? And he said, and and to end it, and I said, end end what? And he said, his life, and I said gosh and I remember being at my sister's house then because I pulled all my things into her house and I said okay you stay there where are you I I will come and I'm going to be with you now so I packed I quickly just grabbed my bag and I told my sister I think it was late at night as well I said I I need to go he's he's threatened suicide and I called the neighbors immediately because they were very very good to us and they they were a beautiful, devout family and they. I said, look, I'm really sorry. Can you just step in and just sit with him until I'm there? They said, absolutely. So, um, but on my drive over, I, I had rung his mother and I said, I'm really sorry to have to call you, but this is what's just happened and you need to know about this. And she was really angry at me and I, I remember just going, you have no idea what's been going on. And, you know, she said, you you can't just run away from your marriage and I said I'm really sorry but like what your son's done to me I, I can't do anymore this is it um and I and I remember going into the house and and this beautiful family from next door was there and I said thank you so much can you would you mind leaving they did and it was just sorry like I can feel the emotions swelling up now because it's, it's mm. quite um quite a big thing but as I, like, I just said, you know, what are you doing with yourself? And he just kind of gestured for me to come and sit down. And I I was just beside myself going, I need you to take responsibility. I need you to own up to what's going on and don't, like, I don't know if you're serious about suicide or mm. if you're just joking. Mm. Who knows? And so I had a friend meet me there at the same time and she walked in and she was furious at him and, and I just thought, oh, my gosh. So we we ended up driving out to his parents' house because he said, I want to see my parents. And I said, okay, let's go and talk to your parents at 12 o'clock at night. That's fine. So we did. And um, it was a three-hour conversation. And it was all about how he felt really down and really low and depressed all the time. And I was sitting there and I was so furious. And I was thinking, God, like, I'm really struggling with this. I don't know what to do when the the stuff that I have evidence of is is not being spoken about. Mm-hmm. And finally, at the very end, his I think his mum or dad said, you know, okay, so you're you're clearly down, and you know you might need to be medicated, but you know what about what's going on with um like with Veronica? And he said, oh um, well I need to apologise to her family. And I was just sitting there, and I'm like what about me? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to make it about me, but do you want to say anything to me? Cause I'm right here. And, and um, yeah, so he decided to stay there the night and I said, I think it's the best idea. And I'll just, I'll go back to my sisters and 
and then he contacted me I think a few days after and and I he came by and I said I need to know like because he was still kind of wanting to get back together I said do you want children and he said oh how could I bring them into this messed up world and I said are you like is that your answer you don't want children and he said yeah and I said okay I said that helps me thank you um but I need to I need to move forward so Hmm. yeah yeah it was it's a whirlwind of right and just so manipulative yes emotionally manipulative yeah I'd agree so um wow I'm so sorry that that happened to you I think like it's funny how it kind of pans out because honestly I I think I win hands down with the best husband at the moment who is just amazing so I think God was yeah he's definitely rewarded me for for a difficult time um yeah yeah, God never outdoes you with generosity in generosity (laughs) um Veronica annulment so how I've heard that it can be a grueling process uh long confronting (laughs) arduous um demeaning Mm. um good words for it <laughs> yeah um well you know like quite um humbling hmm. how how did you find it and how do you go about it like what what's grounds for an annulment in the catholic church um, so um i think if uh, like i'm not i'm not the best at the church doctrines and things but um from what I remember it's anything remember the vows in marriage where it's um are you know are you open to children is this marriage exclusive to yourself and your now spouse um and there's something else um but basically I've got the catechism here oh great (laughs) so if it's um it's not helping me because there's like I'm up to Point one thousand seven hundred thirty-four. <laughs> well, I think if it's, um, if one spouse has never intended that that marriage was going to last until death, that's one of them. So longevity, um, openness to life, and and exclusivity. I think they're the three big points. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one party or both parties. Uh, have evidence for any of those or going against those things rather it's um that's deemed that that it's null and void so mm-hmm. the person um but it has to be that they were their intentions at the time of marriage so it can't just be that you get oh, married yeah. to a yeah a devout catholic and then suddenly they say oh actually 10 kids yeah. is enough uh, <laughs> so yeah so you really have to at the time of marriage be fully prepared with your answers and, and your spouse's answers to mm-hmm. to make it valid. Um, but the process itself, as you asked, um, I think Pope Francis had just come in to um, his office and had changed the length of the annulment process. So it went from being, I think, like an unend, kind of like open-ended yeah. to, a two, to just a two-year process, which I was extremely thankful for because I thought I don't know like you're so um you're in limbo when you're there in the annulment process because you you have no idea if you can ever get married again or um or you know have an actual real marriage or if it's deemed that you were in a real marriage and you're sitting there going what do I do now I've left them and I and I've so just to clarify you have to have a legal divorce before you go for an annulment in the church so if you get a divorce and then the church deems that you're still validly married you're sitting there going well I'm not really married but I kind of am so where do I go now yeah so you know and if your faith is you if you really do believe in our Lord and and that's your faith then of course you're going to do your best to fulfill your obligations now as a you know whether you're divorced but still married in the church or whatever it is so it so it is really difficult and you're you're kind of constantly just you have to put your faith and your life in God's hands and at at this point where was your faith at 
oh, I had just broken down <laughs> and I was like, God, you know what? If you want me to go through this, whatever reason, whether it was my fault that I you know, made these decisions, you know, without thinking clearly, um, or if, if you just want me to do a bit of suffering so that there's a beautiful outcome, I, ha I had to put my life in his hands and I, I just said, okay, I will do your will, whatever it is. And I, strangely enough, I was going to mass as many days as I could a week and I thought, yep, this is what I need. Like this is the medicine that's going to cure me from all, all of this. And, um, and I remember I went into one of the churches in Rouse Hill, um, Our Lady of the Angels, and I picked up this pamphlet and it was a, a retreat and it had a picture of a girl I knew on the front cover and I went, oh, a retreat for young adults. Maybe that's what I need. And I... I'm a young adult. Pocket, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still there. Um, <laughs> so I, I took the leaflet and um, I sat with it and I paid the deposit and I thought, okay, maybe just meeting a different group of people will be a really good thing for me, get me out of my comfort zone. And sure enough, on this retreat, I actually met my husband's family uh he had a few brothers there and I didn't know it at the time and I started getting connected to the family and a few years later we married and <laughs> so yeah. it's funny how God you know he really does work through this so yeah um, so yeah so but my faith was I really wanted God because I had there nowhere is else to go and he's permanent and there's nothing else that can be changed mm. um non-changing so that's what I wanted mm. and I wanted, wanted to stability be, yeah and as they say like you know he is the father and you know when you you know some people have you know father issues or whatever and that's why they fall into marriages that may be not the best or they might be um invalid later on you know it comes down to we all do our father we want to be his daughter and and be loved by him so yeah, that, that's where my faith took me and I was very thankful that I, yeah, stayed there. And, and I, look, I still struggle today. Like my faith is, you know, a, a typical mum who, <laughs> who's running around after the baby, um, mm. you know, trying to go, okay, how does, why does God want me to do this repetitive lifestyle of changing nappy after nappy or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, so, you know, our faith is continuously um it's a beautiful reminder that that you never know when breakthrough is can be just around the corner. So don't give Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Don't give up. Really. And, and if there is someone listening out there, even if it's just one person, like it's just, you know, trust God entirely mm. and he'll give you everything that you wanted. And it's just, yeah, it's mind blowing really. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you, um, have a really forgiving heart um like ultimately if we don't forgive we end up hurting ourselves you seem to to be um not holding so much resentment or not holding it up. from what i've heard from your com this conversation there isn't much resentment or any resentment in your heart would that be a fair assessment i'm i'm trying to dig into my heart thinking is is there any resentment um I think there's sadness. There's definitely, you know, you were still, you were still hurt. Like your, your heart was broken thinking that this person was going to love you and honor you until the day that you died. Um, and I just, sorry, this making me thinking of, um, making me think of, we actually did practice every day saying to each other, I will love and honor you today just to try and give us something to go off. But even that, I remember being the most difficult thing for him to do. And mm. I'd say, okay, remember, what are our vows? Like, come on, what is it? And he'd say, to love and honour. And I'd say, who? Like, that? that's so important. Who is it? And he's like, you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, so that just made me think of it. But, um, so he, he, he clearly had, was he Catholic? Christian? No. no, he had no belief. Uh, I think he believed there was a God that that was about it mm -hmm. um but from a lovely family like really mm. lovely and yeah so it's just an interesting one but but I think it was just a, a lack of understanding of what 
the expectations of uh, marriage. for marriage work. Yeah. Um, you know, sacrifice, suffering, all the difficult stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the, the all, all the non-romantic things. <laughs> yeah, and the bitterness, the bitterness that I had in me, because I, I was quite angry for a while. And honestly, I think it was until I went to that retreat like five months later that I really was able to get a lot of that off my chest. But even then I think I sat with it for a while later, just thinking like I'm just so angry and I think the anger comes in when someone we love has hurt us at God or at him at him at Mm. my ex Mm. so and I guess that tells you that you do love that person because you you know you only get angry at someone you love when they've hurt you Mm. um so that bitterness stayed with me for quite some time at least six months after at least um and even during the annulment process where you know, I kept trying to get him to sign papers to, you know, to say, yes, go ahead, or um, that he wanted, you know, would you want to have a say at least? And he just kept ignoring or, you know, didn't want a, a bar of it. And, you know, I think I got a, an, an angry text message at the end just being like, please leave me alone. And I said, okay, I'm not going to keep trying now. That's it. Um, yeah, so a lot of anger and which brings you then to helplessness because you're stuck in limbo, mm. you know, thinking, you know, you, you've just got a divorce, you're just, you're now single, but you're not allowed to date anyone. You're not, you know, you don't even want to because you're confused about, you know, what was yeah. that? Like, that was it. So a difficult time, a very difficult time. Yeah. So what, what your faith was, you grew in your faith or you just clung to it? I grew um, and I clung and the way I grew was I actually thought, you know what, it's about time that I actually studied something and learnt my faith bit more. So it ended up pushing me to go to university and doing um, doing my studies in psychology, which later on became counselling, um, and I took on theology as well. So it grounded me in my faith and I went, oh, my gosh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> so. Um, Yes, so it was really fascinating to see God's covenant with us and just how it all works and my brain was blown. I thought, oh, my gosh, I wish I had have known this. Yeah, the Catholic faith is is just amazing. Mm, So deep and it's so, it's gentle. It's like people think it to be unaccommodating, strict, a set of rules. It is so personable and human like it is so beautiful um yeah and and it's okay to be weak and messy and sinful and you know like that is us and he entered that Jesus entered our humanity because he knew how impoverished we were um it's it's nothing to be afraid of yeah and and I think such a blessing we have is uh, is confession. <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, from having been, you know, super angry and, you know, departing from my ex and things, I really struggled with, you know, wanting to go to confession and, um, you know, even sin. Sin was like in front of me at all times. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm really struggling and, I think the devil played on that because he's like, well, she's weak now and she wants so desperately to be with her father. And yeah. And so it was really hard. And I just thought, but God is the only one who's permanent and who's showing me his love rather than hurting me. So that's what I want. Um, So you saw him as a tender father rather than a, 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 a dictator? Absolutely. And I think it's hard because you know, you grow up, oh, I grew up in a quite a Catholic family and it was more, be, there there wasn't a lot of understanding or um, teaching around what the Catholic faith was or where it came from, but more so about this is just how it's done because the nuns taught us that as well. Hmm. So for me, I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, what's the mass? Like, yeah, I know about the Last Supper, but there are all these prayers that we say at mass and it doesn't really add up or anything, but 
once I studied theology, I was like, oh my gosh, thanks mom and dad. This is actually amazing. <laughs> so, so, and I think they may not have known the beauty yeah. of it and the depth of it. So, yeah. So he, God has definitely gone from that less approachable um, Trinity to, yeah, my father. And, and it's still hard. Like, I'm not saying that every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, good morning, dad. It's more, you know, I realize that he's there and that he is with us and he's like right with us, right next to us. But it still takes effort for me to go, oh, you know, it's midday. I need to pray the Angelus or, um, you know, I set my alarms on my phone because that is the only way I remember those things. <laughs> so, um, But it's persistence. And that's what the saints, you know, the saints were all sinners, um, you know, except Our Lady. And, you know, we're just the same. Yeah. You know, we just persist. Yeah, I mean, you don't have these kind of um, reversions in your faith and become, you know, grow wings and, and you have to put sunnies on because your halo is so shiny. It doesn't happen like that, unfortunately. It is. You have these reversions, but it doesn't mean everything's easy and it doesn't mean that you, you automatically like, you know, certain aspects of, you know, mortification and suffering and things like that. It's still hard. We're still human, but you have a um, you, you, you your perspective changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I uh, I saw um, there's a I'm teaching catechism. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm teaching um, the confirmation class at our parish, and this week is the last week that I have them. And you only have them for such a short time. And most of the kids don't have anything else other than the sacramental program in their faith upbringing. And you've got these four weeks of like, what am I going to tell them? Like, this is all they have. This is the only exposure they have. And how am I going to break in? And the other night um, I was praying about it because I've only got one week left. And um our Lord gently said to me, they have a saviour and it's not you, so don't worry, you know. It's not the four weeks that you get to, sorry, my phone is ringing. I'm going to move that over there. Um, They have have grace, you know, they will get, you're, you're just planting a seed. And I said, what am I going to tell them? This is the last week I really want to, you know, go out with a bang. (laughs) And um, he reminded me that it is about relationship, you know. It's about a personal relation, a real relationship with a loving God and Father. And you only get that through put prayer, through putting in, getting to know like any relationship whether it is a spouse or it is God or Our Lady, it's putting the effort in. And um, I was reminded of a story that I'm going to tell them about this famous art um, critique in London. Have you heard that story? No. Um, He, I can't remember his name. It escapes me, but I'll remember it for Thursday when I teach the kids. But he, he's a famous, he was a famous British art critique uh yeah critique and he was at the museum of um the art gallery of london and he was in front of this enormous painting um of uh it was the madonna and child with saint benedict or saint dominic and saint jerome on either side of him and he was he was there it was a really crowded day and there were so many people in the gallery and he was totally focused on this painting and he couldn't, he just didn't like it. It just didn't make sense to him. He said that um, like Jesus was at an odd angle to Mary and, you know, the saints weren't, they didn't, the perspective was all wrong and the background was, you know, Our Lady was too close to the foreground and, and he said he was just completely perplexed by this painting. And he said, and then it, this guy's a, a, not a Catholic or a Christian. I don't know whether he's an atheist, but he had, he had no religious 
um, leanings. And um, he said it just came to him that actually maybe this artwork is not meant to be faced front on. Yeah, like, uh, you know, he said maybe this artwork is meant to be seen through the stance of prayer. So he said in the middle of that busy art gallery, he got down on his knees and he knelt in front of this painting and he said it became clear. He said the perspective completely changed and he said he now saw that the, the saints on either side were in perfect symmetry the background you know the foreground and the background were aligned and G and our lady was gently looking down at her son in in tenderness and he said it made sense he said when we look through things through the stance or the um position of worship everything changes and I thought oh my gosh isn't that true about life absolutely if we look at things through the eyes of worship or through the eyes of prayer, he mm. speaks, it, it, it aligns and, and there's harmony and there's, there's perspective that you wouldn't necessarily have any other way. And I just thought, that's what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them that they need to look through life because they're becoming adults through the gaze of prayer, you know. Mm. And and how how did prayer help you? Oh, yeah, that that was the only thing that could have helped the mm. entire situation. Um, it definitely. Oh, I think I think there was so many hours on my knees after that. I, you know, I was I was taught when I was younger to go to adoration and sit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Um you know, once a month on a Friday or something for half an hour. And I, as a kid growing up, I struggled tremendously with that. I, you know, I felt like I had ADHD. I kept looking around, wondering, you know, who's walking where. And it was so hard for me to kneel down for half an hour. But once I went on the retreat, um, I, that was during the annulment process. So um, so I still had a long two years ahead of me. Um, I. I remember they, you know, they said to us at the retreat, you know, whoever has never done a 1am or a 3am slot of adoration, this one's for you tonight. And I sat there and I was like, I, I can't wake myself up at that time. I won't listen to my alarm. There is no way I'm able to get up at that time to do it. And I, I said that to one of the leaders and he said, well, just pray to your guardian angel that you'll get up. And I was like, you don't understand. Like I, I'm, I'm a woman who's just left her husband. I cannot get myself out of bed. Like, this is impossible. Anyway, so I went to bed and I'm like, all right, dear guardian angel, I'm I'm desperate. Like, don't make me embarrassed to miss my 3 a.m. slot for adoration. And no joke, I woke up at 2.59 a.m. And, you know, before my alarm went off and I bolted down the steps and I ran into, into the church and I went, okay, God, I, I'm here now. Um yeah, and like from that moment on, I spent hours on my knees in adoration, just going, "This is where it's at. This is where, like, you're giving me so much. I can't see what it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna pray for you know my ex, my my life, um, you know my future. If there is a husband in there, I desperately pray for him as well. Um, one that I get to meet him, and two mm -hmm. that he's amazing. Um, yeah, so it, oh, just and for our families and. Yeah, you know, we really do need prayer and the relationship with our Lord because I don't know how people do it without him. Mm. Yeah, so can I ask um, um counseling? Yep. Um there's nothing there's nothing shameful or embarrassing about counseling and that it is a good and noble thing to do. Did you mm. receive counseling? We did. I had the thought that counselling was a terrible thing and that you only go there if you can't cope with life. Uh, and, and so my ex and I did have counselling and that was, I was quite adamant that we needed it. I was saying, you know, this is really important. You know, we don't spend our days together at all. Like you're not there. 
so and you're not hearing that I need I need someone with me because that was what I thought a marriage was um so we did counseling and um we we actually did this sounds a bit strange we did sand play therapy so I I met this lady who did sand play therapy and it just seemed so powerful and I thought okay I just want to see what happens and so they, they basically get a big tray of sand and they ask you to go and pick a, a figurine from her wall of hundreds of little toy figurines that represents your issue. And you're not meant to talk to your partner as you're doing this, so you're both there. And just one of you, without talking, will pick up the first object that represents the problem. Can you so, see uh, it? Could, could you see each other's figurine? Yes, so it was all in front of both of us. And um, anyway, so we were looking upon the wall and, you know, I'm looking and he's looking and... And um, I think he picked out the first one and, oh, that's right, he did. And it was a Batman figure. And she said, okay, all right, now, Veronica, your turn. Now you get one to respond to the Batman figure, figurine. And I said, okay. And I went up and, you know, I pulled out a a, a naked woman because there was a little figurine of a naked lady with her hands and like her arms just outstretched like she was desperate and I popped that in front and she said okay now your your partner needs to go and get one to respond and as we did this you saw a story just playing out in front of you it was amazing and she just looked at it and said okay I know what's happening the man is going out at night putting on a mask being this amazing funny guy living the dream of his business out you know playing poker and all the rest and and Veronica's desperate for you know you to be around but you're not there and then he responded with a joker which was um you know oh come on honey lighten up it's it's all good we're okay and I pulled out a fire breathing dragon because I was furious I was like how can you joke this is our marriage this is serious and anyway as it went on it was just amazing and um yeah so it was really evident what the issue was and yeah it was amazing and um so why yeah, sand when, play when you're using figurines? Where's so the sand coming? The sand is um, to do, so uh, they use it usually for a lot of children just because you can draw, um, like, you know, especially with family issues, you can act, the kids will tend to draw a line between mum and dad and the, without actually asking directly, oh, do mum and dad fight? They'll just say, oh, what's the line for? You've drawn a line in the sand. Oh, that's because mum's over there or you know dad's over there and uh-huh. it's just a really good visual representation so um wow. yes yeah, so we definitely did counseling and we each did a session on our own as well um but after that my ex said he's never doing it again and I said okay that's at least we tried it we did it um I learned a bit about myself as well there was um stuff that I was hanging on to from a long time ago as well um what about now do you receive counseling now I don't. I I wanted to because I ended up studying counselling. So I and this um, actually I did a little bit at university when I was studying counselling. They they wanted us to go through it because they said yep. you really need to know what it's like to be in the other seat and and it was really eye opening and I just remember just bawling my eyes out and just allowing all the emotions to come out and, you know, there was a lot of pain and that was mainly brought on um, by the the process of the annulment and the divorce and having to go through all that um, and just feeling, feeling just, I guess, feeling like you dropped off a cliff. That was kind of the feeling. Um, and the counselling course I did was really good in reminding me that we do need to be in touch with those feelings and that, yeah, feelings are still a gift from God. Like they're not, you shouldn't shun them just because they're they're difficult or they're yes, you know, not not appropriate at certain times. But <laughs> they're a yeah. gift. You you said that um, infidelity wasn't a um, a part of your marriage breakdown, um, but it is a part of many marriages that that fall apart. Um, could you? Th- probably not through your experience, but through your counselling experience, could you speak, do you know how infidelity and pornography kind of play a a massive dynamics now in married life? 
yeah so um I I did um I have a yeah, warning done about this but I just thought I right, no, this is... <laughs> sorry um, I actually did I, I actually did my thesis in my um in my master's for counseling on pornography oh, and awesome. children wow. yeah it was um, quite Awful. quite scary yeah yes <laughs> terrifying um so what I have seen and what I continue to see is pornography in a marriage is having another person in the bedroom as well like yeah. it's not it's like you can just say right. it, it, absolutely it's infidelity um the problem with it is that it's it creates fantasy that cannot be created in real life and that's where the person viewing the pornography they it, it comes across as a hit of um dopamine so mm. every time they watch um you probably already know this stuff but as they, as you're watching pornography it gives you this um excitement uh, arousal or whatever and then the next time you do it, you need something a little bit more and more, a little bit more intense, um, which is why addictions happen. Um, it's not just, uh, th- there's different levels of pornography as well. So it's from soft pornography all the way to some really scary stuff, um, torture, abuse, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as someone is hooked on it, it only gets worse. It, it doesn't get better. So it's, if someone is addicted or struggling with that addiction, um, that person needs to get help. Like it's desperate. You, I can't speak enough of getting out of that because it's so dangerous. And when you, you say know, getting out of that, you mean getting out of the addiction, not out of the marriage. Oh, get out of the addiction. Um, if a person's not willing to, then then I'd be speaking to a priest and getting advice. I also went to a priest. Um, to gain advice because I didn't know where else to go but I didn't want to do an annulment because I thought that was the end of the world um we did like um when I said that I don't know about infidelity text messages were enough to say there there was still but I don't know what it was exactly so Uh um if if that's yeah 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 yep sorry yep yeah but I, I do really recommend um seeing a priest my priest said to me uh, his words were oh so he treats you less than he does a dog and I said what and he said yeah he doesn't even take you for a walk and I was so embarrassed and I'll never get over that because I just learned I have allowed that to happen mm. without without even realizing like without mm. being conscious of it. so um yeah quite difficult and for yeah for someone who's in this spot right now please go see a priest please get advice and if you're not comfortable with the advice from one priest go to another one that's mm-hmm. what I did yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you know priests are human too yeah um, um my first one said to me you know he treats you as a dog and um the next one said to me um he he really strongly advised you know can he come for some for some talks and I said no he's not interested um and he said okay well come and see me when you've when you've done the divorce and I can walk you through the annulment process and I was like oh my gosh and yeah and they they said like this from what we understand what you've said it's not a marriage so if a person is questioning the validity of their marriage I'd be asking you know ask the witnesses you know whoever signed that marriage certificate with you Mm what did you think at the time that I was marrying this person did they do you think they were in it for the long haul do you think that they were open to children and going to be exclusive to you and me mm. um, oh sorry to, to the partners but um, yeah. you know ask the parents as well back to the priest that said that he doesn't treat you uh any better than well worse than he treats his dog did he give you any other any you know practicals or was it just a blanket statement he did say to me before we met he I rang him and he said um bring your bring your current husband um I'd like to speak to both of you and I said father I don't think that's going to happen and he said well let's let's see just try and get him here and I said okay um that wasn't going to happen and I turned up and he saw me and he said oh so you've come alone okay 
and then we proceeded um, and he suggested, he, he also said, um, you, oh, he, what did he say? Something about, oh, so you're going to do an annulment? And I said, oh, Father, I, I, no, I can't do an annulment. Like that terrifies me. And he said, well, you can't do an annulment. You have to get a divorce first. And I'm like, Father, I can't. Like I'm Catholic. And he's like, no, no, that's the process. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't, I, who grew up thinking that they wanted to get a divorce? That's horrible. At, 20, at 22, 23? Yeah, 23 years old and I was getting a divorce. And I was petrified and I thought, he can't like he's joking no way he himself this priest was a psychologist as well so that was helpful to know um mm. but yeah and then when I saw this next priest and he said okay I'll walk you through the annulment I just thought wow okay that's that's two now <laughs> and you know and my friend alongside me saying you need to listen to these people um and I also went to a third priest just in case uh, <laughs> and he he didn't know the full story or much of it and he he actually just asked well you know you can't just run away like you need to work on this and my friend was with me at the time and she said father I I'm going to interrupt because Veronica's not sharing everything this is what's been happening and he said oh he said okay you need to take this further this isn't a marriage and I was like oh that's three now and you know maybe I need to listen about time so so it um well there's grace there working there on your perseverance you did keep showing up (laughs) that's it and and thanks to my friend my gosh for her to push me to do that it was really difficult making her drive all the way out to see me and all the rest yeah it wasn't easy for anyone who was around me at the time (laughs) that's a good friends are for (laughs) you keep those ones um before we finish the conversation, um, what's your relationship like now with your family? Oh, they're amazing. Um, I, I, it your wasn't parents? the worst. My parents, um, they, there's a lot of mental health in my family. So that's, that was where my lack of trust wasn't okay. really good. Okay. Um, but I've had to go, you know what, God, you have, like, if you heard my parents' story, you just, you wouldn't believe what they've been through. So I just, I think, oh my gosh, my perspective like that art critique um, has changed dramatically. And I think, yeah. gosh, our Lord looked after my parents in every step of their lives. And, you know, he even gave them the insight to say to me, don't marry this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, and they're getting older now. And um, we, yeah, I love them so much. They're, they're an incredible couple. Yeah. So empathy yeah but prayer prayer gives you empathy as well because when you start to dig deep into your heart you realize how faceted it is how many layers there are how much brokenness there is and it allows you to empathize with those that you love you know even though that they've haven't always given you the best advice or haven't in your case they gave you good advice but haven't you know haven't through no fault of their own, have, you know, given wounds to you, you know, through mm-hmm. no fault of their own, but they're there because of the way that they raised you, they're the best they knew how. Um, but through prayer, you don't see that as, you don't blame them, you you feel, you empathise with them and that is such a gift, I think, especially as, as we get older, you know. Yeah. And you realise that God loves them as much as he loves you yep and he you know he's he allowed me to be born into that family like mm. out of all the families and yeah and my my siblings are incredible like they they're really there for each other for all of us and um mm. yeah so without their support like they've just been amazing for me really helpful you know really distracting when I need distractions <laughs> um and yeah yeah I love them I still love them they're amazing beautiful and life now is busy and uh, you you um you are such like you're the cover girl of of saint catherine of siena's you know saying you know god wants you to be fully alive he wants he doesn't want you to live a half life he wants you to be fully alive in him and look at you now could you have imagined 
Oh, and when people say, oh, you know, I guess this is the suffering that I'm just meant to go under. And I'm like, hang on. If, you know, if God's given you a brain, he's given you the abilities to think and reason, you know, both your faith and life decisions, is this the best decision for you? And, you know, because so many people do just think, oh, I just need to undergo all this abuse and things. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't want that for you. He doesn't want people hurting you. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm not saying go get a divorce. I'm not saying go get an annulment, but I am saying go see a priest because mm-hmm. you, you don't know. No, I don't know. So <laughs> that helps. But yeah. Yeah. but yeah, life is amazing. And, you know, we are made for, you know, to live a joyful life and, and yeah. love and be loved. Yeah. How beautiful. Well, thank you for your vulnerability, Veronica. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, uh, I, I hold it with such reverence because it is hard. It is so hard to be vulnerable. So I am very grateful for your voice in this space that um, around marriages and annulment and and just the suffering that um, he doesn't want us to suffer alone and he doesn't want us to carry that cross in circles. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He wants us no, to thank you so do something with it. <laughs> Um, now, before we finish, before we finish, I haven't asked you, but if you're if you listen enough to the podcast, you'll know that I asked my guests something that brought them joy this week. In the last seven days, is there anything that has brought you joy that you'd like to share? Oh, oh my my nine year my nine year old my nine month old daughter. She's almost nine months. Um, has just been taking her first steps so I'm really yeah I'm beyond joyful Uh, she and she's developing an amazing personality so it's a lot of fun to watch Um, you're gonna have to change all the levels now because she's taller it's amazing she's very determined this young girl so I am I'm on my toes already (laughs) gorgeous well I went I've been sick all week and my husband had bought tickets months ago for um to see Vivaldi's Four Seasons at the Opera House and I really didn't want to go and I was quite sick. But I went and and just listening to, I don't even know his name, he was some famous Australian violin, uh, violinist and it was, in, I could not wipe the smile off my face. It was just pure joy, pure beauty listening to him play. It was so beautiful. Anyway, that brought me joy. So thank you so much. Um, Go and look after your little little lady now on her legs and 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 have a beautiful life. Thank you so much, Jess. God bless. <laughs>